0: I've been so into self-transformation, self-development that I don't really know how to get out of the woo-woo.
1: We started because it was my own personal frustration, looking for gear in my bag. So we're trying to facilitate for everyone. I'm Richard Gerhart.
2: And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. You've just heard some snippets from our show. It was amazing. Our guests were wonderful. Stay tuned for the rest.
3: Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now
4: get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, a firm specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights.
2: I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney. But I work at Gearhart Law doing the marketing and I have my own startup.
4: Welcome to Passage to Profit, the road to entrepreneurship, where we talk with entrepreneurs, small businesses, and discuss the intellectual property that helps them flourish. We have Dr. Travis Fox and Michelle Fox, who are the founders of the Ultimate Business Quest.
2: That is gonna be an amazing discussion. And then we have two really incredible presenters. Caleb Ulfers is a client of Gearhart Law. And if you're going to the gym, you wanna check out his product. It'll really make a difference for you. And Mark Bonin has this incredible app if you're going to do events and this blows everything you've seen out of the water.
4: Great. But before we get to our distinguished guests, time for IP in the news.
2: The government actually had to pay a software developer for copyright infringement for using their software without <gasps> a license.
4: Our government?
2: The Navy to be. Really? Saying. Yes.
4: Wow. And what did they do?
2: I guess if we're talking to the software company about this app and- They said, well, you need to buy licenses from us. And they just started using it without the licenses. (laughs) They should know
4: better, especially if they're in a license negotiation.
2: And so they got taken to court, but of course it was a government court.
4: Yes, the court of claims. So if you sue the government, or you want to sue the government, you don't go to a regular court. You have to go to the government court of claims, which, of course, yields completely unbiased decisions. They would
2: never favor the government.
4: (laughs) So the company sued. The company is GMBH. They did win a victory in the sense that the Navy had to uninstall the software. If you could call that a victory, I think the company would have rather...
2: Had the Navy pay. Had, yeah, I like, had yeah. the Navy
4: pay the regular rates than win $154,000 in court. So it's time for Richard's Roundtable. And I would like to ask our guests what they think of this IP situation. Dr. Travis and Michelle, welcome to the show. What do you think about all this?
5: The small businesses already struggle with building their tech or even building an app is so much time and energy. So to even respond for me would be, how much would be the license if they were to actually purchase it How long did they actually utilize it? And then that should have really been what they paid along with all the attorney fees. Right.
2: It was a government expert who put it at a low level for each license. Right.
4: So they (laughs) they had originally claimed a thousand per license and the court awarded them $200 per license. They spent $150,000 litigating the case for sure. (laughs) Easily. (laughs) Easily. You know, so sometimes these things work out, but at least the Navy has been put on notice. Travis, you have any thoughts? Well, I'm Dr. Travis Fox
0: and I play a doctor
4: on TV, not a lawyer. (laughs)
0: Uh, I would have fascinated to say, gee, I wonder if if they'd been stronger. And this is something small businesses we encourage all the time is not just go from copyright, but also trademark and patent. There's different laws. Mm -hmm. And I realize we're in the court of claims and it does have a different scenario, but the infringement on traditional courts, if I may be so bold, is a a pretty significant structure when you infringe on trademark and patent. So for me, it's something we, especially when you're in IT space is really go beyond the copyright. Uh, And secondly, how did the court get away with bias?
2: And we couldn't agree with you more on getting all the intellectual property (laughs) protection. you can You know,
0: yeah. we, we are in total <laughs> sync
4: on that one, especially when
0: you're getting into tech and specifically when you're yeah. going for government contracts, you have to be ironclad there. And in that case, I think they would have come out a fair and better. I also would have petitioned the court for uh, like a motion to compel for them to fulfill their contract as the original licensing when they were in negotiations because they had prior knowledge of it. And that would have been something I would have seen if we could have gone for, but I'm not the lawyer, so I defer to counsel.
5: When you do a demo, do the demo. <laughs> Don't hand over the keys yet until you see the money. Right?
4: <laughs> smart yes. advice. That is a, a great takeaway. Yeah. Kenya, what are your thoughts?
6: I was going to say the only thing I can add is they probably should have had maybe better counsel and maybe hired
4: Gerhardt Law. You are you're
2: a smart cookie. Yeah,
4: no wonder we have you on the show. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
2: no.
4: But you're right. I think what uh, Michelle just said about not handing over the keys and giving them a free license and all that should have been much more closely controlled and lots of times smaller software companies or any company can be a little naive sometime and quite honestly dealing with the navy you wouldn't necessarily expect that
2: but i think to both your points you need a law firm that's not just going to say, okay, we registered your copyright. See you later. You need a more holistic view. You need a strategy. I mean, that's something Richard's super good at is sitting down well, with somebody and doing a whole IP strategy and also business strategy because he was on business teams in corporate. So he understands a lot of this stuff.
4: Well, thank you for that nice compliment. Mark, what are your thoughts on all of this?
7: Yeah, I kind of agree with everyone. I think that's uh, that's a tough look for the, the military. And when you think about all the efforts that that business have had to do to negotiate the contract, develop the pay, the product. That's kind of a small payday for them. And I don't know if that happened often, but if it happened often with military, it's a pattern and then entrepreneur will want to build less business for military. So might hurt innovation in the long term if that became a pattern. So another good look, I would say.
4: That's a really good point. And you yeah. know, what's interesting is the military actually spends tremendous amounts on IP for their technology. Right. All and right? they do a lot of research. They too. do a lot of research and they spend a lot of money on patents. So it's sort of like we want to protect our stuff and control our stuff, but <laughs> you we can't. We want to take yours.
1: <laughs> so Caleb, what's up? It's really hard to start a business and the last person you want to be uh, hurt by any- in any form, is the government of the country in which you started it.
2: Right. It's taking your tax dollars and <laughs> using up to fight you in court.
1: <laughs> this is not a political show,
4: so we never talk about politics. <laughs> but what's going on here is sort of down at the lower levels of the government that would happen regardless of administration, I think. Yeah, so yeah. it's not meant to be anything other than that. But uh, well, this
2: fight's probably been going on for years. Yeah, so yeah, it's
4: multiple administrations, multiple it's, administrations for yeah. sure. a lot of different angles to the story. It's actually been pretty fascinating. But Now it's time to get to our distinguished guests, Dr. Travis Fox and Michelle S. Fox. Dr. Travis, he's a pretty interesting guy. He's an Emmy Award winner, and he has been creating a new product for entrepreneurs called the Ultimate Business Quest. Not only that, he has PhDs in both psychology and hypnotherapy. Michelle and Travis's mission is to help entrepreneurs. Travis has been named by Yahoo Finance as a top 20 entrepreneur for 2020 and a top 10 Instagram influencer. And Michelle, she has a diverse corporate background and entrepreneurial career, having sat on multiple boards before the age of 30. So a real power couple here, and we're really grateful to have you on the show. So tell us about Business Quest, the ultimate business quest, and how it got started. Uh, Ultimate business quest for
0: me and for my part is a 30-year journey where we talk about standard cognitive psychology. We talk about mindset training. Well, let's start with the basics. Most mindset training, by the time you attempt to get to it, you're already pretty set in your ways and we don't really have a path that made it fun. How do I actually change my belief structures? And we've always bifurcated business into, hey, here's the entrepreneurial journey. Here's my path to whatever they want for their legacy, wealth, independence, freedom. And then here's my transformational, self-transformational development. They're always very separate. And the only way that they seem to cross over was in business, when you crash and burn, you finally go, hey, let let me go check out my life, commonly called a midlife crisis or vice versa. I've been so into the self-transformation, self-development that I don't really know how to get out of the woo-woo and translate that over into entrepreneurialism. Mm -hmm. Our philosophy is they're one and the same. In fact, all the companies that we've worked with or for throughout our career with all of us in the company is that the number one thing we found was the individuals themselves were generally the problem with the company. It's not the product nor the service. It's them. They are the glass ceiling that became the problem as well as the company culture. So we said about about two and a half years ago, I came to Michelle on the board and said, hey, we need to transform these two industries in in a really fun way. And here's why at a thematic level or theme level, if you're having fun, you'll do it. If you're not, if it's a grind, if you're having to do 18-hour days, yeah, you'll kind of do it, but you'll burn out. Or you'll run into body problems where your body, will start end up in Caleb's world, you'll, you'll have some sort of scenario where your body's failing or your relationships suffer. Our entire philosophy is if life is, has an endpoint, which we all agree that it does, and it's non-negotiable, wouldn't it be fun to take an adventure of a lifetime, grow the business that you want while you're still in balance with your personal relationships, not unlike we are, but also too, making sure that your body makes the entire journey. You don't have to get mm-hmm. so out of balance that you crash and burn. That's my part. I have deferred you. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and how it actually began was we had a academy that had grown what 845 or 47%. And it was all the self-transformation, mm-hmm. but it was so us related where we always had to be a part of every single event that was taking place. So it only could grow and expand based off of how much time we had. And yeah, Travis was like, this has to be an app. And so when we sat down with it, we're like, but it's not an app for self-transformation. The need right now in the market is business. So we locked ourselves away for about two weeks and started to draw a fantasy map of the entire journey of an entrepreneur, whether that be their failures, the pit of excuses is what we call, what is their legacy, like every single piece for a business owner to really dive in so they don't have to go to those stupid seminars that are $20,000, $30,000 where they get a little martial, a huge hype, and then they get out of the seminar and they're like, well, how do I apply it? <laughs>
0: or they get upsold to the next one for a hundred thousand for another <laughs> That's one. What hell. Well, but wait, we'll there's more. you learn
4: how to apply it before right. you pay we'll more. Down. Exactly. <laughs> nice. I
2: downloaded your app and it looks so cool. I can hardly wait to play this game. It's, it's a fantasy game. So it, I mean, yeah. your trailer on your website is they, it's just hilarious. Everybody should go to the website. What's the name of your website?
5: UltimateBusinessQuest.com.
2: And watch the trailer. You will be laughing. It's very cool. And you'll kind of get a flavor for what this game is like. If you ever played Dungeons and Dragons, you're going to love this, right? I just found this idea fascinating, making learning really fun for adults.
0: That became the thing, right? So we can make this really clinical. We can make it really heady. We can make personality typing really difficult and deep. Why? That negates the fun. If you look at fun and culture, and we know this momentum is one of the key things in any battlefield in history of time momentum. So if you have momentum, which is driven by a thematic called fun, now we can actually transform the company on a dime, it doesn't get into argumentative, it doesn't have to be, you know, he said, she said, it doesn't have to be these big board meetings where people are throwing things at each other. Oh, that's our meeting, though. So.
1: Anyway, that doesn't matter. <laughs>
0: anyway, but My point being, when you actually look at what's behind it, we're talking about the true clinicals, which is called synthesiastic movement, where we actually move into the fantasy world. We do this in movies every single day. We get involved in this movie. We're, in, we're engrossed in the characters. We feel the emotions. We're attached to it. And then we leave the movie theater. And then we'll talk about that and bring it back to our reality. Well, there's an actual real psychological technique that we use where we throw you into a fantasy world. And at that moment, all of those things that you would call a limiting belief structure, I can't do it. I don't know. "Not." not my job, I'm scared of success, by the way, that's the number one thing out there. It's not fear of public speaking. It's actually fear of success. Mm-hmm. You can actually transform them in the fantasy world, which in our language, if we're going to break it down, mm-hmm. is your subconscious or your emotional traumatic level. That makes it less scary to go look at that dungeon, if I may be so bold, of those things that are holding you back. And the way we designed it, it actually flips right back into your, quote unquote, real world. So now we're using all aspects of you, both cognitive and conscious, subconscious, but more more importantly, we're diving into the parts of you that need to be transformed that allow you to become, because you didn't wake up a billionaire. You have to become one. You didn't wake up a CEO. You have to become one. You didn't wake up with the intelligence. You have to learn it. So if we're not putting in a thematic of fun, we found out, and we all been through this. Raise your hand. How many of your members school sucked? Raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> right. How many of your teachers' names do you actually remember? How much of what you learned do you cognitively remember? And the reason why is wrote over time. Yes, it does work, but it doesn't work as well as application. When we actually drop it into the, the right. fantasy realm, it instantly transforms you and it transforms your business.
2: Movement really cements things into your consciousness, right? If you're just sitting there in a chair listening to something, I don't think, I mean, I always took a lot of notes in college because the movement of my hand and writing it down helps cement it in my brain. So I think that going through this process and this game of yours really will help cement the knowledge better, right? Oh,
5: absolutely.
0: And even just to your point, for example, let's go back to the number one fear. Everyone says number one fear is public speaking. Well, if you're going to start a business, or even if you're working for a business, you've got to be able to talk about it. You got to be able to go to network and be able to say what it is. Most people freak out and can't do that. So what if we gave you a way where you could ask two simple questions that are completely non-invasive and you know exactly the type of person you're talking to at that moment. Now, let's, then it becomes a quest, it becomes an adventure. Oh, that person's this, that. Like, for example, when you were talking about your writing, I immediately know that you're in your wizard mind. I know exactly how to talk to you. If I can give you a lytical analytical structure, you'll hear everything I say. But if I go over here in fantasy land, I go, we're going to go out in the woods. We're going to hug a tree, bro. We're going to do a fire. You're be like, this guy's off his freaking rocker. He has no idea what he's talking about. And that's all just from being able to go, oh, I understand who I'm talking to. And we learned through archetypal symbology that we've developed over 20 years on the front lines with our partner, Aaron Huey said, hey, look, if we're working with at-risk teenagers in the number one residential treatment center in the United States, when we did this model, we realized that from the clinical side, we had movement. But the moment we threw them into the fantasy realm and we could help them identify their personality parts, they transformed themselves. We said, wait a minute. What if we made all of this transformational stuff, all of the business information we have, and we made it fun and an adventure and we married the two together. Now you've got a game. So I know that I'm looking at two of you. I've got a wizard and I got a warrior. I know exactly how to talk to you guys. I know how to make you guys work together. I know what positions to put you in, regardless of resume. And now all of a sudden we're
4: team building on a culture and everybody realizes They're in their mastership. Dr. Travis Fox and Michelle Fox will be right back with more Passage to Profit after this.
8: What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands Contact Gearhart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson.
4: Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart,
8: And our
2: special guest, Dr. Travis Fox and Michelle Fox. We have just had the most amazing first part of the discussion with them about how as an entrepreneur, you can use their game to get your brain to behave the way you want it to so that you can be successful with your business. And they've got a lot more to tell us. So without further ado, let's jump back into the conversation.
4: Sure. What's it like working together as a husband and wife team?
5: I really like it. It's really fun because the times that I don't want to go to a meeting, he'll go. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, that's the
0: real reason she likes it. She's got no, a stunt yeah, they're, double. They're, Apparently, I mean.
4: agree. Elizabeth and I work together too. And so there's a little strategy on how you uh, get the other person to kind of focus on their strengths. Really, my weaknesses are her strengths. So we figured yep, that sure. out. You know?
5: Perfect. <laughs> exactly. It's the, the strengths and the weaknesses. We complement each other really, really well. Even though he can do everything that I do, I can do everything that he does. It's our strengths and weaknesses are uh, so complimentary. And it's a lot of fun. I really love to be around him all all the time I and mean, when we go to the gym together we go to every meeting together we're working together all the time we are just a joined at the hip and When I first started my businesses before we were together, it was a struggle as a woman CEO, especially in the tech space. It was extremely difficult. If you even look at the statistics, trying to get funded as a woman CEO is nearly impossible. So when Travis and I got together and he was like, Hey, you're the better man for the job, which was fantastically hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> and I was the CEO, He was, he's the chairman of the board. He jumped in and helped with our funding because it was non-existent for me. And it was such a struggle but having that tag team and really trusting each other has been fantastic. One
2: thing I think is really a strength for the two of us in synergy, and this usually happens in the car, is that we are really good at brainstorming together and coming Mm -hmm. up with solutions and new ideas.
0: For most people, you wanna have a partner, a legacy you can share with, a family you can pass it on to, friends that you can go. I use an example that's in the app. We share a a metaphoric story, but you know, once uh, I actually climbed Kilimanjaro when I was 48 years old, never climbed a mountain before in my life, and I learned two major lessons. One, when you get to the top, that's only halfway because you got to climb back down or or you die. So that's a little misnomer switch. I had to learn that the hard way. And the second was I was up there with just my climbing partner myself. There was nobody to share it with. I could never relate the experience. I can tell you the story, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter until you actually experience it with it. I can't translate it. So to be able to build a business from the idea, literally the idea all the way to the exit with your partner, well, isn't that really what we all really want at the end of the day? I mean, we all say we want to build a business. We want to grow, make a lot of money, have a lot of experiences. But with, if you're not sharing it with somebody, at the end of the day, what legacy have you really left? I mean, without passion, purpose, mission, vision, and a legacy, you've kind of left some of the things on the table. And that was what we really wanted to create. And then all of the people in the company have the exact same culture. Let's go back to the top of the show. The top of the show was about a violation of trust. Well, who's going to be at your back, but your partner, who's also your partner in your business. And I'm talking about in this case, a primary relationship and however you define that is up to you. But for us, it was like, hey, trust is something that you want to eliminate immediately from your business as much as absolutely humanly possible. So when you start with the nucleus of, hey, this is a partnership on every level. Then immediately now we know we have a best interest in each other's uh, heart. We're not in time to disagree with the other. We're not doing politics at the boardroom. We're not jockeying for positions. We're always got each other's back. And then we built the entire culture the exact same way in our thematics, our trust, loyalty, and communication, which is powered by fun. If it's not fun, we're not going to do it. It's really simple. Yeah.
2: We should go hang out with them more. Yeah, we, <laughs> so,
6: yeah, we want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so do you have any case studies of like anyone that you've worked with that has had a really great outcome using your platform? On our website, there's two or three
5: videos at the bottom that are a few of our actual video testimonials. And then we have some written
0: ones on there as well. Yeah, to give you a deeper visual, for example, we actually give out, and this is kind of as a preemptive strike. You'll hear this in the app, but we actually give out awards every month, no strings attached, for people who have done things. They've like Ultimate Warrior Award, Ultimate Wizard Award. For example, one of the awards we just gave out two months ago, and we give out cash prizes. Again, these are will show up. We surprise you. It's very reminiscent of a publisher's clearinghouse. And the idea was to start up your business is difficult, and sometimes you just need someone to believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And as we watch people go through the app and transform their lives, their businesses, we said, you know what, this is a way to do that. One individual did it. Who's a high school graduate. He was a pool cleaning service, had his business. All he did got into the app. 90 days later, he tripled his business and the business is now up for sale for over a million dollars. And so we found him, tracked him down, walked in, gave him a thousand dollars and said, Hey man, this is the ultimate gesture word." because in the midst of all of that, He was also apprenticing. He was also going back to school. He got married. He balanced his entire life in his relationship. Now he's put that business up for sale. And he then out of that came to us and said, I've now found my true passion and purpose. And he's going on to take that money to build health and recovery centers all around the world. So for us, Those are the type of stories we're looking for. We have them every single day. Excellent. I
2: see Richard doing the twirly pen.
4: I'm doing the twirly pen, which is our sign that we have to take a commercial break. But we'll be back (laughs) with more passage to profit from Travis and Michelle Fox, our guests, who are the creators and founders of Ultimate Business Quest. And you need to check out their website. It sounds absolutely amazing. And I can't wait to start using this app.
2: I'm going to start using it. So if you don't, you're going to be
4: behind me. I'm already behind you in more ways than one we'll be right back
9: hi i'm lisa askley's the inventress founder ceo and president of inventing a to z i've been inventing products for over 38 years hundreds of products later and dozens of patents i help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition i bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world qvc hsn evine live and retail stores Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askleys, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, Lisa, at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com.
4: Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And we have two fantastic guests, Travis and Michelle Fox. I just learned so much from just their discussion. And I think that they have such an amazing product. And I just can't wait to get started with it. And what was
2: the name of their website again?
4: The Ultimate Business Quest.
2: And it's an app.
4: And it's an app. So you can put it on your phone.
2: And it's really fun. Sounds great. Now we need
6: to move
4: on. We do. And it's time for Power Move. Kenya, who is Power Moving today?
6: We are highlighting Angie Nwando. She is the founder and CEO of The Shade Room, which is a multimedia empire that reaches about 27.6 million followers on Instagram alone. And now she's going to be launching The Shade Room Shop that's going to create an opportunity to diversify the business community by allowing Black-owned brands to leverage her network of over 40 million followers. So nice, just awesome way to level up there.
2: You know, people are always looking for new products. And where do you find the latest stuff? And it's really cool that she's going to help these people get the word out there about their stuff and help people find new things,
4: too. Absolutely. So thank you for sharing, Elizabeth. It Now it's your turn to talk about one of at least one, maybe two of your businesses. So please, what's been going on with you lately?
2: Well, so I changed Fireside to Blue Streak and I'm getting the website work done now so that I can do a soft launch again. For those of you who don't know, Blue Streak is a video directory of small businesses online. And what I'm doing with it is, kind of disrupting the way directories have been done because all of them are location-based and this is not location-based. This is based on business type and it's going to be businesses that do not need a location to function. So I'm pretty excited about getting this website done. It's going to be short video and long video. So that's in the works. And then I also am starting a podcast. It's about cats. I love cats cats and I adopted a kitten that I didn't know he was sick when I got him but he keeps scratching his face I've had him to three different vets spent a lot of money trying to figure out how to cure this poor little guy and the third vet is a holistic vet, still hasn't gotten the answer for me. So anyway, Richard suggested I start a community to try to just ask people that have cats, have you ever seen this before? So I decided to start a podcast. The next day I met the perfect person to help me, Danielle Woolley, who does a lot of rescue work with cats. So we're starting the podcast, but I did actually have an intellectual property question. And then I found out from Dr. Travis that it goes beyond intellectual property. We're discussing it before the show. We hired a young woman to write some music for us for the intro and outro for the podcast. And I was asking her if she had a contract she didn't really have one. I think she's freelancing on this, but she belongs to a guild. But I was worried about copyright because the creator owns the copyright.
4: Right. In general, if you don't have a contract, then the person who creates the work owns the copyright. So you do have to make sure that you have a contract that covers all the bases, ensuring that you and the company that you created own all the rights.
2: And then Dr. Travis had another idea about that. So do you want to say what Uh, you told me?
4: I think one of the mistakes that all of us
0: make as an entrepreneur is we're only focused on that next step. Oh, I need to get the copyright done. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, what happens if this show gets bought? It goes to television. It becomes a series. It becomes a film. Well, if you don't have that, now you have the entire identity that you've built from the inception of this podcast. Now all of a sudden has to be re-architected. Well, that, that may be a good thing depending on what you're doing, but for most often, you lose the brand architecture and the core identity of the brand that you built to get to that moment. Because back in the beginning, I was only short sighted going, Well, I've got my copyright, I'm protected. It's the foreshadowing of the things that you may or may not have happened, but to, it's better to have that net wide as absolutely possible because the if then isn't become a oh no, I wish I coulda or I wish I shoulda,
4: right? And right. I, I think it's always important, uh, just as a general matter, as Travis mentions, you do things. When you're starting a business, you get the foundation documents set up. That you get mm-hmm. your LLC properly structured. That you get an operating agreement. That you you know make sure that you're. Name that you're going to use for the business is not going to duplicate somebody else's name. All of these steps are not necessarily super expensive, but if you wait for a year and a half, two years, especially if you have partners in the business, other people who are working or putting money in, it can create a lot of hassles later on down the road. So, in general, and that's what you've done.
2: We have an LLC. We have an operating agreement, we have a bank account, and we have two intent to use trademarks. Because for something like a podcast, the branding is gonna be the most important thing. So we have to lock down those trademarks. And I did a search and they look like they should go through.
0: So you did a trademark search, but the trademark search is narrow. It's only going to respond on what's the name. You need to get competent counsel representation who understands patent, trademark, and copyright law. Not your general GP, but someone a firm that actually focuses on because you'll find often more than not when you do a trademark, saying, oh God, my name's great. Nobody's using it. Yeah, that's true in that sector. What about all right. these other sectors that we haven't thought about? So part of the brainstorming of an entrepreneur and again, I'm not, I'll, I'll talk about the app later, but that's my, my part. You go in there as a team, you go, what if? What if we do this? What if it becomes that? What if it becomes that? And dream, not the next step. Go as wide as you can from inception, not at the end of the days. you just heard a moment ago. Because by the time you get there, if it shows up, It's not going to be a couple of bucks. It's going to be a couple million bucks that you're going to have to defend and you may not win because the courts don't guarantee a win. Travis is absolutely right.
2: It's really tricky because even if somebody hasn't trademarked your exact thing, if it's close enough, then you're in trouble right right I, so, so enough of that now we're on to your heart law client Caleb Ulfers and I'm telling you I went on his website and looked at what he had and if you go to the gym you want this you know what if you want to get somebody a gift who's a gym rat get them this so Please, Caleb, tell us all about it.
1: Uh, yeah, so I run Haven Athletic. We make organized gym bags for high-performance athletes. We started because it was my own personal frustration looking for gear in my bag, and as we researched into this idea and, and potential problem, we found out that bags, especially duffel bags, hadn't changed since the 1980s. And in you know 2016, we were looking at athletes, and we have $300 percussion massagers, and air powered leg recovery boots and technology that helps us advance in all of this gear still being put in this simple kind of $20 bag that we all grew up taking to like PE and weekend travel you know, most people still had a bag like 15 years old and we're like, this seems inefficient and athletes have grown and changed a lot and kind of inspired by the idea of organization like Marie Kondo and tidying up in the container store and how myself I'm kind of, uh, we don't say OCD, we say uh, uh, organized, clear and focused Uh, but it's just like the organization in the rest of my life was not translating to the gym, which was an area that was really important to me, spending a couple hours a day in the gym, spending hundreds of dollars on gear and on my gym membership. And I was like, this, uh, this doesn't really make sense. So I think we want to start trying to fix it. We started with a duffel. We now also have a backpack, but the big things that we looked at were we just interviewed people, athletes. And because I'm an athlete myself, like I kind of knew some of the issues, but we talked to a lot of people and said, what's the problem. You know, do you like your bag? Do you not like your bag? If you don't like it, what is it about it that you don't like? And we pulled out kind of three or four main things and it was structure. So having the bag stand up on its own. So when you open it, you can actually see inside of it instead of it collapsing down and then organization dividers. And we decided to sew the dividers in, which is kind of one of our unique things and why we decided to go for a patent. As we thought about the gym, we were like, you know, if you have Velcro, mixed with uh, lycra and polyester type of gym clothes uh, or powders like chalk and protein and whatnot. Those don't blend very well. So we're like, let's sew these in to make it very easy to separate your gear out. Let's make a specific spot for your shoes. If there is a shoe spot, it's normally a bag and it gets kind of collapsed and you have to like shove your shoes into the bag. And that's a whole difficult thing. So we made a very formed Structured compartment specifically for your shoes that also has a vent on the doorway to it, so your shoes don't reek inside your bag. And then uh, we also just made it super durable. Uh, we have a five-year warranty on it because we use the top-of-the-line materials from the hardware to the YKK zippers to the 1080D ballistic nylon exterior to the ripstop interior. I don't know if any of that will make sense to anyone, you but mean, essentially, it's, like it's bulletproof. It's it's, it's bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Without Kevlar, but yeah.
4: <laughs> but you know what? Well, if you're in the city, that may come in handy. This is more than a gym bag.
2: This is a great overnight bag for a weekend getaway. Mm -hmm. Like for me personally, I don't want my shoes touching my blouses.
4: I (laughs) love the idea. So I am an amateur triathlete. I've got Mm -hmm. gear for the run. I've got gear for the bike. I've got gear for the swim and I throw it all into a single duffel bag. Something like this would uh, make the whole event so much easier.
0: Michelle's a full-time competitive bodybuilder on top of being a CEO and and a wife and a mother. And when you're describing it, we're buying your bag after the show. I've been waiting for a bag like that. Thank you for solving that because you're absolutely right. The (laughs) powder of the things, I mean, God forbid your protein powder blows up in your bag.
1: Yeah, yeah, we have several IFBB pros uh, talking about how, you know, there are multiple bikinis and shoes and the backstage stuff. And the tanning oil and like everything. They're like, it's so great backstage to have all of those things separate.
6: Kenya, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, I love this. My stuff is all over the place and I'm usually running <laughs> into the gym with my cycling shoes and like my mat. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to know though, do you plan on creating anything for like the Pilates people of the world that have that mat that we drag around with us along with every other thing? Cause it's hard to find a bag that supports all of that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So we started with a pretty intense focus, which I'm sure as you've talked to entrepreneurs and you know, maybe you guys talk about this in your app as well, there's riches in niches, which is focusing in on a specific type of customer. So rather than saying like, here's a bag, it's built for any athlete and travel and everyone and people don't really get it. So we said, this is a bag for crossfitters. This is a bag for people who specifically practice CrossFit and go to CrossFit gyms and understand CrossFit ideology and all of the pictures and the athletes that we use and the gear that is filled in the bag is for CrossFit. And we have found since that it does work kind of across the board uh, for all sorts of other sports and athletes, but there's some like uh, orange theory or Pilates or soul cycle spin classes where you don't have quite so much gear. And so taking like the large gym bag, which is a pretty large duffel doesn't really make sense for them. And so we actually have a couple of different nationwide companies that we're talking to now about how we could make the, the same idea organized bag, but in kind of a smaller shape form for those type of athletes.
2: Excellent. So everybody wants to buy these now, where do we get them?
1: Yeah, just on our website at havenathletic.com. What
4: I'm picking up here is that you love working out and you love being organized and you manage to marry those two passions together and create a successful business. Are you having a good time doing this? Is this something that <laughs> you're enjoying?
1: Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. That's having good. a blast. It's It's been a hobby since I was 15 uh, from being a gym rat, trying to get big like my older brother to playing various sports in college and then to ultimately finding I, I practice the sport of CrossFit, I guess you could say, and been in that for a while and really love the competitive side of it and really enjoy doing that every day and then being able to focus on that in business and work with ads athletes in the sport and just be involved in that way. It's, it's a lot of fun. That's great. Excellent.
2: Well, thank you very much. We're all going to go on our phones now and order these. Yeah. (laughs) So once again, it's havenathletic.com.
1: Yes, that's right. And
2: and, uh, thank you. So we're on to our next guest now, Mark Bonin with planned.com an event planning site which if you go on his website and look at it you will be blown away i was so please tell us all about it mark
7: so we're an event planning platform so we help on one side the event planner admin assistant or if you're working on a company and someone come to you and say you need to organize an event uh we're the platform to help you we will help you to find the venue the hotel the catering the equipment the EV, everything you need and then our platform helps you actually to organize the event. And on the other side, we help the manager or the procurement to have access to all the data, to enforce policy, to have visibility and control over that span. Been in business since uh, five years.
2: One thing I really like about it is you have this whole money management feature on there. You have what needs to be paid when, and it's all right there.
7: The corporate travel industry this is 533 billion. So that's a huge, huge, huge industry. And you have a lot of software that help company to control that spend. You can have Conquer, trip action, travel perk, like a lot of big businesses. But the event management or the corporate event industry is actually bigger. So it's a thousand billion a year. And going to a recession, we think that enterprise will still want to do event, but we'll want to make sure they maximize that spend and get the most out of it. So this is where we see our place.
4: Would this site be for anyone who wants to put on an event? Or are you mostly working with event planners or event planners in big companies?
7: It's for anyone, but that works in a large enterprise. So let's say if we work with a bank or usually it's large tech accounting firm, we'll work with the planner, but also like the uh, the admin assistant or the marketing person or the salesperson who is planning this cocktail with client or that holiday party or that team offsite. site. So we're trying to facilitate for everyone. We started by doing weddings and BB shower actually, but we, we move away from that space.
4: Is there any personal interaction from your staff with respect to how the website works or is it all automated?
7: It's a mix like events is about like people and, and relationships. So it's very similar to Airbnb in a sense for the banner, but we do offer a concert service or sometimes people have questions about I'm doing an event in Cincinnati with or Buffalo. Which space should I take? And our team is there to support and and provide help.
2: Yeah, I noticed that on your site. It was really cool that you had vendors. So if I wanted to do something, say in a city I've never been to before, everything I need is right there. I can get the venue, I can get the vendors, I can get the DJ. It's like white glove service.
7: We're usually working with large enterprise. If you recommend a vendor which not vetted and they have a bad experience. Then they won't come back for the next event. So our biggest team within our company is actually our supply team, trying to find the best and new vendors all across North America.
4: Tell us a little bit about your journey. So how did you get involved in this industry and what motivated you? To create this app.
7: I started a business when I was my first year of university and it just failed. Like we went two years tried to build a business and we kind of lost everything within that business. But I met my partner Emric at that business it was called U So back in, I think that was summer 2017. We we're together and just spitballing about what we could build as a business. And we sold our car, solar condo, but it's solar condo, I didn't have a condo at that point of time. And we put together, like six months of just cash and come with the idea of launching a marketplace for office spaces. So our goal was to basically help people find office space, build a product, build a platform, just didn't work. We made 27 bucks of, of revenue in four months. So just didn't, clearly didn't work, but we had that marketplace and that platform. So we decided to add all the category of spaces we can think of, like offices, cottage, uh, college house, event space. And ending up making 50K of sale that month with Event Space. So we used Christmas, rebuild the product, and relaunch in 2018 as a really Airbnb for Event Space. So we'll do wedding, baby shower, like a bit of everything. Started to get a bit more momentum. So every month we were growing and we raised about like a million and a half at the end of 2018 to keep growing the business. 2019 realized enterprises were definitely our clients because they were coming back and would start to work with one planner in there. Insurance company, and three months later, we'll work with 10 planners. So that was like really our niche. So we keep building for that. And we went to our board at the end of 2019 with the idea of launching in the US. I don't know if you can tell with my accent, but I'm from Quebec. So I have a pretty, pretty strong French accent, but um, the real business for us was in the US. So we tell our board, we want to go to the US. We'll raise money in 2020. So mid 2020, we'll go for a, what we call a seed round. So raise more money. And they gave us a check, basically raise about four mil and open in the US. We scaled a company from like 15 to 47 people and the revenue was growing fast. And then COVID happened. So from one day to the other, we lost our revenue. Basically we had to reimburse a couple of million in booking. And we had, at that point of time, 47 people and no revenue and five months of runway in the bank account. So we're dead in four months. And that was the hardest decision we ever had to do. But uh, we had to lay off 80% of our staff. We kept our best engineers and keep building for in-person event during COVID when virtual seems like the new reality. And we built for 18 months without any revenue. But our goal was to build the best platform. And we thought that if at the end of the pandemic, we're well positioned, we'll be able to basically get contract and really be the platform that people would use when in-person events would come back. Wow. And short story enough, 2021 went to market and yeah, we're back in, in business an, now. That's
4: an amazing story of persistence oh. and agile business development True mean,
2: entrepreneurism yeah to see I, something doesn't work move on to the next but i can see that the
5: foxes need to say something here a uh, way to pivot um i think that's what business owners really truly forget to do especially backed up into a wall of that type of uh, tough decision of laying people off but if that is the only way to keep your company afloat for a period of time or to give you that time to pivot. It is a hard choice, but you know, the CEO has to make it alone sometimes, but it definitely proved and way to pivot. I mean, bravo and how many times you pivoted, which that is a true entrepreneur that will stay in business for a lot longer than one that is so incredibly stuck in their ways of it has to be this product and it has to go this direction. That's not what entrepreneurship is all about in any way, shape or form. So Congratulations. That's fantastic.
2: Yeah, I want to hear from Kenya too, because Kenya does a lot of, or did
6: do a lot of events before COVID. Kenya, what do you think? Well, Mark, you answered my question about what did you do during the pandemic? I mean, goodness gracious. And I feel like Dr. Travis should have you on his platform training entrepreneurs because that mindset that you have to shift and make things work is just really remarkable. I was going to ask you, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs that are out there that you could share that helped you really stay the course, especially in that four-month period where you practically lost everything and had to lay people off? Like, what was your mindset like to get through that part?
7: Sometimes it's to believe into your conviction. So at that point of time, everyone was shifting to virtual. So we'd see like virtual event company raising a lot of money and just making like a big splash. But we just didn't believe the future for events was virtual. At least we could win on that. So we just stick to our guns like we had a conviction and um, at that point we just built enough conviction to keep going for that so for us that was the thing In the partnership i think like dr travis and, and michelle was talking about that like i'm not in business with with my girlfriend but i'd build that t- type of trust with my partner so i think in those type of moments, to be alone like a sole entrepreneur is be so hard but when you have a, a true partner it really helps
4: yeah absolutely I agree. it must have been an enormous gamble though to stay with the in-person events in the middle of this COVID epidemic where everything was going virtual and many things are still virtual. I mean, what convinced you that virtual was not going to be the permanent way going
7: forward? I do think virtual events will happen and that will be a a big slice of the market, but I just didn't thought we could win because I didn't thought we were the best people for execute on virtual. That was not our passion. We're just not passionate about that. So I thought if we pivot on that, best case, we're okay company, but we'll never be game changing or create something that is really meaningful versus if we stick to our gun, the risk is maybe higher, but we really have a shot to create a business that will be meaningful and to win our market. So we kind of the less like the regret minimization framework. So I never thought I would have regret to stay to in-person versus going virtual. I think we'll have just regret it in the future.
2: The hope is COVID won't be haunting us and stalking us forever because people do want in-person events and they want hybrid too, but people want to get out there and see other people and share food with them. And
4: I remember the first in-person networking event that I went to after things around COVID relaxed. It was so much better than doing a virtual event. I just felt like the communication and the contacts, and maybe it's because too, I hadn't done it for a while, but virtual can, in some respects, replace in-person for certain types of communication, but for other types of, you can't really have an event, a virtual event
7: what they realize it's just to create that culture, they still need to find ways to bring people together. And these days, if you're going to ask someone to drive from the South Shore or any place and go downtown, the event needs to be like spectacular. So this is where I think events are important to create that culture and create great events is even more important than before COVID.
4: Lots of times people struggle to get people to come to events. And so Mm -hmm. if you're going to make the effort now to take the trip, you really have to do something that is going, you know, Mm -hmm. you need Bruce Springsteen or somebody like that to, get people out of their chairs and into the thing. Or super
2: good food.
4: What are some of the super duper things that you do to get people to come to events other than being part of a company that forces you to go?
7: <laughs> you need to make it an experience. That's a trend we started to see before COVID, but even in play, after. So the experience can be the venue. Like you cannot go to the same hotel room like every time or every event you do for your company. People will just get annoyed and not come back. But if you find it, Hard gallery, a museum, or a cool patio or terrace, then you have more chance to get people. Uh, food is really important. So that was a good one. And then can you bring a DJ or some type of experience that will just make it unique? If you do that, people show up. But if you go always with the same recipe and just uh, copy paste, that just don't work. We see attending, attendees rate being lower for those type of events, actually.
4: Good information.
7: Well, Mark, where can people find you? It's uh, plan.com.
4: We'll be back right after this on Passage to Profit.
8: There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have the world visit g-e-a-r-h-a-r-t-l-a-w.com this ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson
4: now more with richard and elizabeth passage to profit time for noah's retrospective
2: noah fleischman is our producer here at passage to profit we couldn't do this without him
4: and he has a way of putting his best memories in perspective
3: when i was a kid in grammar school the best time of the year was that 10-day winter holiday break you know why because I had the best treat in the world waiting for me over those 10 days. Television. Specifically, the movies. We didn't have things like Netflix or subscription services or video cassette recorders to watch movies of our choice on. We had to rely on the television stations, those six stations on that one dial, usually less than six, to serve up those great movies, things that they went back into the archives for and pulled out only once a year. Special films, meant to entertain kids my age. Things like the golden age of silent comedy, Buster Keaton, Paul Winchell, Jerry Mahoney, The Three Stooges. Great musicals like A Hard Day's Night starring The Beatles, which only ran at 1 o'clock in the morning, thank you very much. But I got to stay up to see it. It was great. Cartoon features like The Man Called Flintstone and Hey There, It's Yogi Bear. It was fabulous. A 10-day period of all these rare movies. It was great. Of course, there was that one time of the year when we'd all end up at a holiday dinner at my aunt's house and Usually around 5 in the afternoon, a great classic rare movie like Go Go Mania with the Spencer Davis group would be playing around 5.30. My cousin and I would be in the den watching this and jamming to it along with Spencer Davis and the band. All of a sudden, my mother would come marching in right in the middle of the number, click the TV off and yell, Get in there, it's time for dinner. Well, that was it for Go Go Mania. But you know what? It played every year around that time. Gave me something to look forward to next holiday passage to profit and time for elizabeth's questions so
2: everybody gets to answer the same question i think i'm going to start with mark mark if you could get one gift for your business for the holidays what would you ask santa claus for
7: i would say to keep our company culture intact or to keep building that same type of company culture as we grow i would say that's the most like business is about people we're proud of the culture
1: we have internally so we want to keep it as we grow
2: that's excellent and what about you caleb
1: uh, an investment from Serena Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Ser- yeah. I mean, one of the greatest sure athletes is. of all times, uh, and super in depth in the, in the sports world. And we eventually are going to make a tennis bag. And so I think it actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Serena, if you're listening, please. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go for it, man.
7: <laughs> I think she have a venture of fun, actually.
6: Well, there you go. So Kenya, what do you want from Santa Claus? Well, I need somebody to help me build an app for my fitness thing that I'm working on. So, yeah.
2: So I see the foxes kind of (laughs) perking up their foxy ears. What do you guys want for your business?
5: An event for everybody that's in our entire organization, which is about 70 plus people, but that would be everybody from India and all of the other countries to be able to fly in and have an amazing event just to have fun.
2: Wow. Richard Gearhart, what gift would you ask santa claus for for your business
4: uh peace and goodwill
2: for your business
4: in my business
2: well my blue Streak business just needs a boatload of cash
4: (laughs) (laughs) so you want a gift card
2: well i'm going to do the fox's app i'm going to go through that and when i'm done with that I'm going to have everything I need for my business. Right. So maybe that's what I need from Santa okay. or from Travis and Michelle. So we had Dr. Travis Fox and Michelle Fox, founders of Ultimate Business Quest. And their website is ultimatebusinessquest.com. Travis. What are you asking Santa Claus for, for your business this year?
0: Great question. Uh, I'd like every uh, middle school and high school to download the app and make this course fully accredited so that everyone can actually start their entrepreneur journey when they're masters, which is when we're kids.
2: That is such a fantastic idea. You know, I always felt like when a kid hits junior high or high school, they should have them form business teams and start a business in high school. Then it it gives more credibility to what they're learning. Like they want to learn. So like we're on the same wavelength with this. We're actually going through that process
0: as we speak. We're going through accreditation as we speak for that very reason that you just said, because that's when we dream. That's when we, we don't change our dreams in for hope. Excellent.
2: Dr. Travis Fox and Michelle S. Fox, founders of Ultimate Business Quest, and you can find them at ultimatebusinessquest.com. Then we've had Caleb Ulfers with Haven Athletic, havenathletic.com, the most incredible organized gym bags. So if you are going to the gym or you know somebody who likes to go to the gym, go to his website, havenathletic.com, and buy one of these for yourself or somebody that needs one.
4: Haven's got it in the bag.
2: And then Mark Bonin with Planned.com. If you want to do a live event and you want to take the hassle out of it and have everything at your fingertips, like soup to nuts, go to Mark's website, plan.com.
4: Amazing website that pulls it all together. So anyone doing event has all the resources that they need in one place.
2: And vetted resources. So he's vetted everybody on there. So you know you're getting good people.
4: Before we go, I'd like to thank the Passage to Profit team, Noah Fleischman, our producer, Alicia Morrissey, our program director, and Mark Wilson, our syndication manager. Our podcast can be found tomorrow anywhere you find your podcast. Just look for the Passage to Profit show. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, while the information on this program is believed to be correct, never take a legal step without checking with your legal professional first. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening.